again, everyone. Welcome back to the Leverage 10 podcast, Inside the Writer's Room Edition, where we take you behind the scenes to meet the masterminds that bring you your favorite show each week. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and this week I'm joined by executive producer and co-creator of Leverage, Chris Downey, co-producer Jeff Thorne, executive story editor Josh Shear, story editor Becky Kirsch, and story editor Jeremy Bernstein, our first-timer. Woo-hoo! Yay, us! It's the first time you've done it. It is. It is. We're going to let you talk a lot. Awesome. (laughs) And he has a great voice, too. On this episode, we'd like to talk about the voices of Leverage, specifically our main characters and how you've made them who they are. Uh, So if you guys would like to start off, I've got a first question that kind of takes us all the way back to the first episode. Which <laughs> They're all looking at yes. me. Yeah. Uh, None of us were there. Yeah, Rebecca right, was there. That's well, true. Sure, but I didn't write it. So, Chris, which character was the most challenging to find a voice for in the pilot, and which one came the easiest? Uh, look, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but, I mean, they were all challenging, because when you're starting with a pilot, you've got nothing. You have a, yeah. you, you know, John and I had an idea for what the show was going to be, uh, an idea that, that we knocked around in his garage, um, and, uh, you know, you you have a little thumbnail for each of the characters when you're first doing it. And it's, you know, it, you've got you've got a couple of words describing each character. And then as you get into it, uh, the thing I think that really helped us the most were the little flashbacks we did to the origins of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we go back and we see Hardison, uh, you know, being... <laughs> conning uh, the hotel staff into uh, having his Princess Leia uh, thing going on Parker and yet Elliot Elliot uh, you know taking out that big bar full of love that f- f- Eastern European thugs you had me at Eastern European thugs. yeah um, I think when when we're, when we're able to write those little vignettes mm-hmm. that really helped like anchor what the characters were and then that kind of gave made, made it easier to write the voices so I, I guess the there's, there's none that were that were easier to write than others. It was all a challenge. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so this question kind of opens it up to the rest of you. What is it like to come in and write for the leverage characters for the first time? And does it feel like having to get to know someone new? I think in the first season, because I was lucky enough to have a first season episode, I, it was the odd experience of writing my first episode of television as well as writing an episode for a television show that only had the pilot shot. And so I could reference the pilot and I could reference the scripts that we had written, but I hadn't seen many examples of the actors actually embodying their roles. And so I I felt that it was um, an enormous challenge, but also very, very exciting because as we were writing the show during the first season, we were all kind of discovering where these characters' voices were taking us and things that maybe, I don't know if you guys experienced, you know, uh, thinking about the character was going to be this way. And during the course of the room, we found other avenues that were maybe very profitable, you know, emotionally. Well, well, here's the great thing about bringing writers onto a staff. And this, and I'm going to quote uh, Tom Fontana, who was um, one of the creators of Homicide, co-creators of Homicide. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I heard that when he handed us a script assignment for one of his shows to a new writer, he would say to them, tell me something about my show that I don't know. And I really always like took that to heart and I always felt like any time that we handed a script assignment to to a writer or writers that they were going to infuse the character with something that I never considered about them. That's what everybody brings to it and we've had writers in the past. uh, we had uh, Melissa Glenn um, and Jessica Reeder, who were team on the show, Twin Powers. that, uh, <laughs> that uh, have, have uh, moved on. And I think they they uh, really, the Parker character in particular, they 
really just got her and kind of there were things ab about the Parker character that I learned from their scripts Absolutely. and I can say that really about everybody. For me I was a fan. I loved the show for a couple of years and to get to to write it was just like keys to the car, free pass to Disneyland. There was no <laughs> sense of I don't know these people. I've been raring to go for for 2 years at that point. So it was great. Well, for this next question, I kind of want to hear from each of you again. Which character's voice feels natural to each trying of you? To distinguish and which one do you find the most difficult to connect with? Small enough ways that make them um, uh, very memorable, they all, very unique. They all speak very, in different um, ways. Uh, and this is, maybe it's a little cop-outy, but it's, it, it's, there's something special about each of the characters that makes each of them easy to write. Like, Parker is so out of left field that at any moment we're just sort of like, I need a joke here. What is Parker We're going to be at the ice house. We're going to be at the ice house. In Burbank this evening. Elliot and Hardison. I could write five you know, pages think, um, of banter for uh, them just in one scene easily. You're always supposed to take no, the room bit and go farther. It's just so natural. I'm, I'm as, they you know, they always um, say yes and. I'm like, no, but. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but anyway. That, um, that, that no, no, I, I find that, you know, we, we talk moment kind of line and those, about the, uh, those about come the, really the villains in the room. And I think Sophie you get there has so many, in front of the screen, in, in a lot of ways, I think she's the most verbal character because that's, that's her superpower is, is grifting. Is, that's is, where you so much of that is about communication and everybody's talking about and she's got so many tricks that anytime she's interacting with someone, don't really know there's always something clever you can do with how does she manipulate them, how does she get more out of them because of what her powers are. So I sort of, depending on sort of what mood I'm in or what the scene is calling for, any one of them can just come easily. And then Parker, uh, I found that when I came to the show uh, um, at the beginning of season four, she was the character that I connected with the least. But as soon as I started writing, um, she's the character that I most easily connected with. I was always, whenever I had the joke or the rim shot or whatever, or, or even in the room when we were talking about a specific beat or story, whatever the joke was, that immediately went to Parker. Um, she's the easiest person to, to write for at times because she says the inappropriate thing. Um, and we have a, a room full of people who say the inappropriate thing at every opportunity. So uh, that's how that worked. You know, I found some, oh, please. No, no, ladies. I, I found um, something a little bit like Josh in that every time I encounter a scene and I, I'm going over the outline and I say, oh, this is going to be a really great speech to write. I know how I'm going to do this. And then I, I encounter it and it's, you know what, I, I didn't expect this from the character. Things things evolve as you encounter things for the first time when you really have to write it down. Whereas similarly, maybe I'll find you know a, a very difficult thing that, that I, I'm going to say, this is going to be a hard scene for this character to write. I'm not really sure how I'm going to tackle this. And then it comes much easier than I expected. Sometimes I'll find that I, uh, coming into a character where I, where I have a certain expectations about how it's going to go, I don't... I, sometimes I'm very surprised by how much the character will tell me about what they need to say, you know? You, you hear writers say that, especially when you're, I mean, you're coming into a well-established show and you really know those characters. Like, you hear writers say that all the time, like, well, the characters just started talking as I was typing, and I, at some point I was just dictating, and you think, like, wow, you're out of your mind. But <laughs> it really does happen that way, where just, like, a scene just takes a left turn because, mm -hmm. you know, this Parker just wants to say this one thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really exciting when that happens. I mean, sometimes it leads to... A two-page. <laughs> yeah, eventually you have to cut. I just lost. I just lost two pages of. of it was a really fun Elliot Parker Nathan spiral. Just Parker had to get spiral. Cut out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're all smarter than me. Everyone in the show is. All of our characters are smarter than me. So whenever you focus on one of them, 
to me it's like they're they always do the thing that you wish you would do in this given moment so there's a little bit of uh projecting yourself into your heroic self i guess if, if and not everyone a good way to put it. has an easy heroic self for me i usually put the actual cat suit on <laughs> Uh, or if it's Sophie, I'll put the jewelry and the heels on and walk around a it's bit. Your, you, know, you know, it's just your process, man. You know, and I appreciate you sharing. If that. someone were to walk in, you know, I have my explanations ready. Respect. I gotta say, this is the most uncomfortable <laughs> I've ever been in personally. But, but, the, but I, uh, to be truthful, I would say Parker is the least has the least guile, so it's easy to write a person who's direct because they're just going to say things that we're all conditioned not to say. And Nate is the most closed off, so how do you write him and not have him seem like a jerk and also show that he has the superpower that the other guys have? And, I mean, any one of the characters, yeah. you can you can take that and go, how do you do, how do you do, how do you do? Because you want to show their best self. There's, also, there's an interesting challenge about writing Nate, too, who's our mastermind, and we talk about this in the writer's room today, because... He is the mastermind, so he has he sees the big picture, but he's also, in a lot of ways, the least self-aware of yeah. the characters. So to have somebody with that level of intellect for the rest of the world, but not really able to see themselves is a really interesting. What's what makes his character, I think, so fantastic. And, and I think, in a lot of ways, a very uh, challenge, special challenge to write. I almost always overwrite Nate on my first pass through and then just have to go back and pull it back and pull it back because it's... That's interesting. I always overwrite Sophie. When I, I, I let over, Sophie talk, she talks like... I overwrite uh, Hardison, Parker, and Elliot. <laughs> no, no, I find... Uh, here's what I find. I, I, find guess, I get sick to say you overwrite everyone. Yeah, well, not Nate and Sophie, I'll tell you. I mean, I find that I don't want to... When I overwrite, I don't overwrite exposition. I try not to overwrite exposition. I, I try to overwrite fun. And, you know, I get into these situations where the characters, you know, every scene could be a character moment. You're with, right. with Especially with, with those three. I mean, it, it's almost like Nate actively tries to avoid character moments. So you, as a writer, you can avoid them. But, the, you know, the, the, the kids, you know, they can really go off and spin out and, and on anything. And you really get a great Elliot moment there. And then you have to cut it. And then, <laughs> and then there's a great Hardison moment. And then cut. you have to cut it. And those are, you know, that's just the situation, because the characters are well-defined, and at this point, it's just, you know, how do we get the most fun out of them? And, and then you remember, oh, yeah, 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 it's an episode of Leverage, I've got to write the plot, and I've got to get this this con or this heist or, you know, get the uh, the stuff that the audience is just going to love. Really, the collective thing is that, and it's, it's both a pleasure and it's a problem, is that in the old days, any one of these characters would sustain their own show. There's there any you there have been shows about each one of these 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 archetypes. So to put them all together and then have them all be their best every moment is like oh god. So you know thanks Chris. Sure. <laughs> hey and John and John who's up making the first episode. Well, kind of following up on writing for all of our characters, uh, which character's voice do you think has changed the most throughout these five seasons? Uh, again, they've all changed uh, in different ways. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I would, I would kind of reframe that from the pilot. And I think if you look at the pilot, Parker is a little kind of spooky in the pilot. And I think over the course of the show is that has become sort of more childlike in a lot of ways, if you kind of look at that. Um, and that, I think, is really a, sort of a testament to uh, the actress who kind of brings that uh, side to her. Um, you know, it's she is both, uh, you know, as, as everyone was saying, 
blunt and direct and has no filter, but also has a kind of a childlike quality to her. And I think that's something that's evolved over the seasons. I think too, from just from watching, because obviously I was not there at the, at base camp. Uh, they were much tougher, harder type of people. Like in episode one, they were clearly criminals. Like right. The right. one like Elliot was a hard guy. There was no sort of core of goodness in there that you were looking at because it hadn't evolved to that yet. And you guys, by the by the time I came in in season three, you were well underway of sort of making them a unit. Well, and the unit by unit, it's the family dynamic. That's I right. think right. That's the family dynamic really like kicked in and uh, really like s towards the beginning of the of middle of the first season uh, and that's really what kind of carried through yeah, I would, yeah. I would say that instead of five characters evolving it's they, they evolved into the family dynamic that they have now and the the interpersonal inter-office dynamic that they have now which is one of the things that we tried to bring out in the in uh, season four is the office job <laughs> and you know you couldn't do that in season one or Absolutely. season two or oh season three and it, you well, you it, 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 need, it needed to, to take to a season four and probably could have could have could have sat in the oven for another season until season five and okay. and even been you know more interesting and funny but really it's 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 the the way you know their office uh, interpersonal office dynamic was applied to an actual office right. dynamic that uh, made for a, 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 a somewhat funny and somewhat confusing episode <laughs> of Leverage. Thank you very much. At the same time, I think that uh, as each of our individual individual characters have joined this family unit, they have also grown individually and they have d developed those personal dynamics with you know romantic relationships or fights that the characters have had or or revelations that the characters have had, and so therefore their individual voices has also matured and changed because of what their particular arcs have been, in oh. addition to the family dynamic, And I think. when we reveal at the end of this season that Nate actually died in the middle of season three and this guy is his hey, evil... we talked about this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Spoilers, we can cut this. Cut it. Just cut it. Just cut it. This is not just going overseas, man. We'll fix it in post. Don't worry, guys. Well, our next question is a bit of a two-parter. Um, part of the fun of Leverage is seeing the crew disguise themselves as entirely new people to con their targets. How do you go about writing these new characters within the character, and how do they maintain their real personalities within these scenes? Well, I, I can't think of an example. Someone I bet will, will follow up with this, but when you have one of our characters playing a... A, the alias of someone that they would never be, someone mm -hmm. that they would never want right. to be, and you can tell that they're pissed off about it. And, and someone, <laughs> please remind me of one of these because it's, it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. But when you see the character, oh, Elliot within, and Double Blind. That's exactly. It? Yeah. And also Elliot in the in the pilot playing the IT guy. You right. know, he's a little yeah. myth right, by that, right. and it's always. I think it's fun. usually Elliot playing the one who <laughs> who because he would really not like to be playing. And we always yeah. have fun with that because there's in certain cons you have the ability to have five faces in the con, but when those five faces are blown and you, you only have one person left who is the ability to be used in this con now, they are stuck with doing whatever role is necessary, which may not always be what they would prefer, even right. though it's a job and they have to do it. So that's always, I think, we have a good time with their inner struggle. Mm -hmm. How do we go about writing them? <laughs> that's the writer's room right there. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, you throw out a scenario and, you know, and then you say... And somebody has to wear a hat, and then all of a sudden there's ten voices screaming out hats, and you're you're standing up at the board like the auctioneer, yeah. and you, you know you're, you're, you know it's 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 you really have to think fast, talk fast, and it really is. It's an auction of ideas, and, and what happens is people are throwing out the ridiculous, the most ridiculous version, the fun version, the version that you know we we all laugh about, and then you have to go back to your you know your writer cave and make it real. 
and that's when you know the character starts to mesh with the new hat that he's wearing or he or she is wearing and you have to find the voice of Sophie in you know in the hat no matter you know even even as ridiculous as it may seem can I just go back for one second to the writer cave? I would like to say that mine is really more of a writer parlor. It's got like very like nice damask curtains. I've got a I've got a fainting couch. I would just you know there's nothing it's, wrong with a back cave. It's, it's Victorian. It's, it's very yeah. Victorian. Yeah. All corsets, all corsets, all the time. And, and Jeff, you have the costume box. Yes. You're out in the kindergarten well, classroom where it's you can true. go and put on it's a cowboy hat. I have a feather boa. I'm not ashamed of it. I enjoy my boa. There's a recurring theme here. There's lots of purple. <laughs> it's purple and RuPaul and I are close. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> that's it for this week. Tune in next week for the second half of Inside the Writer's Room Edition, Voices of Leverage, where we wrap up. And don't forget, you can always get your leverage fixed by downloading all your favorite episodes on iTunes. Thanks again, Grifters.